Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. In that awesome Word of Life, we have missionaries all over the world that this ministry gets to support every single week. You know, the Bible talks about in the book of Proverbs that a faithful man shall abound in the blessings of the Lord. And I want that to just resonate in your heart just for this moment. A faithful person will abound in the blessings of the Lord. Now here's the thing about faithfulness. It cannot be demonstrated in good times. Faithfulness only shows up in bad times. Anyone can love Jesus when everything's going great. Anyone can be faithful to you when you're awesome and you're at the height of your popularity. But faithfulness can only be demonstrated in tough times, in difficult times. Now, the reason why I say that is over the past couple of weeks, really the last two months, from all over the world and from every corner of this state, we have people who feel a connection to Word of Life who have demonstrated to God and themselves faithfulness. You have faithfully, without us having to ask, beg, or plead, sent in your tithes and your offerings. So much so that on two separate occasions, it has reduced me to tears to see just how faithful you have been. Now, I believe that that strategically sets God up to let your life abound with blessings. But I also know without a shadow of a doubt what it's doing in the world. See, here's what happens at Word of Life. Every time you give to us, first... The first part of that giving goes all over the world to different missionaries. In fact, in this season, you have been so faithful to give to Word of Life that we have upped our giving to missions. With several of our missionaries, we have doubled our support for them. With others, we have added three new missionaries that we are supporting every single month to help make up the difference from support that dropped off from other places when the pandemic hit. We have given a one-time check of $40,000 to a ministry in India that is feeding Christian families who are getting neglected due to the global shutdown that is happening there. We're literally every single week, thousands of families are getting fed. And just today, we cut a $10,000 check to Mozambique because that country is going through absolute turmoil right now, and we want to do our part to bring stability in the light of Jesus Christ. Now, all of those things are being done all around the world because of your faithfulness. And on behalf of Word of Life Church, I just want to say thank you and on behalf of our Heavenly Father, I just want to pray God's blessings over you. So very quickly, I just want to take a moment of our service right now to pray for you and for anyone out there who may be giving to any church or missionary, regardless if it is this one or not. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person who is out there. 
And you know my heart is big for this right now because I know so many people in the face of fear have chosen to sow even in famine. And Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you open up the windows of heaven and you pour out blessings that they do not have room enough to receive. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that the devourer is rebuked right in his tracks. And Father, anything that may have been lost or stolen by the thief, Father, we thank you. You are in the process of restoring it. Father, you said a faithful man or woman would abound in your blessings. And Father, I thank you for every person who has demonstrated faithfulness in this season, that they are abounding in the blessings that you have preordained for them. We love you, Father, and we thank you for your goodness. Protect our missionaries. Let light shine in darkness. And Father, in all things, triumph over every attack of the enemy on behalf of all of our missionaries. And we ask it all, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we have been talking the last couple of weeks here at Word of Life Church on how to manage transition and trauma. We know that many of you right now, all across the world, honestly, are going through a time and a season where there is transition. For some of you, it may even look like things are getting worse. And I just want to encourage you once again, God has you. No matter who you are or whatever you're going through, God has you. And with faith in him, he will navigate you through this season. In fact, I had intended to go a completely different route uh, for this time that we were going in. And the Lord arrested my heart and he said, I want you to pastor these people and to teach them how to manage any transition or trauma using the season we are in. So we are in a season called Eastertide that began on Good Friday, which was several weeks ago. And it ends on the day of Pentecost, we call it Pentecost Sunday, where we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now these dates are not just fancy dates we put on a calendar so we can celebrate something in Christendom. They represent events that actually happened in the earth. And this process is called Eastertide because when Easter came, it changed the tide. Things went from dark to light. Things went from bad to good. Things completely turned around for the better. And I believe in your life right now, too, that many of you are going through a transition. But at the end of this transition, you will see things have come out for the better. That God has guided you in this season. He is protecting you even right now. And he is setting you up for the best season of your life. Now, Eastertide is set with five different events, and we've walked through some of them, and today I want to talk about the fourth one, but before we do, let me remind you of all five. They'll put them up on the screens here. Number one, name your deaths. This symbolizes Good Friday, the day our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ passed away. Number two, see your births. How many of you know Jesus didn't stay in the tomb, but he rose again on the third day. He came out different, and he came out better, and there was lots to be excited about. We said as we go through transition, not only do we need to name our deaths, but we also need to see our births, to see our opportunities to dream a new dream. Number three, adjust to your new normal. We didn't say Jesus, we said this, that Jesus didn't come and say, you know what, guys, 
peace out, I am risen, go get him, tiger. He said, no, let me walk with you for 40 days. Let me teach you a new way to interact with me and a new way to interact with life. And we said, for us, we need to find our new normal whenever we're going through transition, a new and better way to interact with God and a new and better way to interact with life. Like we have to take the time to find out a better routine. Number four, don't cling to the old, but instead let it rise and bless you. That's the ascension, which we'll look at in a couple of seconds. And number five, be empowered by the Spirit. And that was when the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. For number four, let's look at what is called the ascension when Christ was leaving the earth and is found in the book of Luke. So I want to invite you to get your Bible. You can open it up with us. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 24 and verse number 15. It's talking about Jesus and his disciples, and it says this. As he led them out as far as to Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now, here I want you to see what happens. It's the ascension, and he is departing from them. Now, we know he's departing from them so that the new season can come into their life. But you can imagine this is a very emotional moment for the disciples. This marks the change of seasons. And some of you are going through a change of season right now. Now, for the disciples, I'm sure, like I said, it was probably pretty emotional. Over the past three years, they had seen God do a whole bunch of neat things through Jesus. Blind eyes were opened. Deaf ears were open. Uh, the lame were walking. The dead were raised. Like some of their greatest memories happened in that season. But that season was not designed by God to last forever. And neither are our seasons. Seasons will change. Friendships will change. Sometimes jobs will change. But God is a God of seasons. And to everything in God, there is a time. And here they sense the season is passing away. And I had this on my heart even when I was preparing for this message today. I mentioned this, I think it was last week, uh, that in my backyard I have this tree. And I was doing some backyard work. <laughs> Let me correct myself. I said I was doing some backyard work. Correction. I had hired some people to do some backyard work because this guy is the least handy guy on the face of the earth. Like my wife has to do all of our home projects. I'm afraid to admit that. But I will on camera in front of thousands of people all around the world. I'll just do that right now because... I'm just not wired by God to be able, I, and somebody says, well, you can just watch YouTube videos. I tried. My garage broke this week. I watched five YouTube videos. You know where it got me? Nowhere. So I had to call a garage man. Uh, so I hired some people to do some backyard work, and as they were working around this tree, they said trauma happened to it, like to the root system. And you couldn't see it from the tree, but like around the tree, Something traumatic enough had happened that they said to me, you need to watch for death. You need to see if there are things on it that are showing you death is coming. They said, we don't know if the trauma was great enough to actually kill the tree, but you want to look for signs that it could be dying so that you can be proactive versus reactive because if you sense it is dying and you cut it down, you are in control. 
But if you don't sense that it is dying or you choose to overlook it or ignore it or act like it's not going to happen, it becomes out of your control and instead of you cutting it down where you want it to go, it will fall and it could fall in a direction that winds up hurting you or your home. And that came up in my heart even as I was praying for that today. I, I really feel like some of you are going through a time of, of maybe even this virus has like brought on transition in your life. That if you're being honest, you saw coming a long time ago. Like in your heart, you kind of knew things were shifting. Things were changing. And, and I really just sense like... like it's okay to just tell you it's okay. And, and if nothing else, maybe all of this has happened to like bring your attention to this moment of like something needs to change in your life. Like there's legitimately maybe something about you or where you're at or a relationship that you're in that something needs to change. And God is like, pay attention to the tree. Because if you deal with this and you are proactive with it and you keep it in your control, you can control where it falls. But if you keep ignoring this thing and it falls without you paying attention to it, at that point it could wind up being something that is dangerous for you or dangerous for your house, dangerous for your family. Because in life, as hard as we may try, change happens. Things pass, trees die, things have a, a due date on them. They don't last forever. And here the disciples are faced with letting go of an amazing season, like a beautiful season. You, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like you see their interaction with Jesus, and it is astoundingly beautiful. Now, Jesus has told them and repeatedly that, guys, I know this is great, but he said, there's going to come a time where the season changes, and I'm going to leave you, and you're going to enter into an even greater season because now I have to be with you wherever you go to kind of see some miracles, but I'm trying to train you to use my name because when I leave, I'll send the Holy Spirit, and greater things than these shall you see. So whenever the season changes in God, it's always because he has something better for you on the horizon, but it still doesn't diminish the pain that they must have been feeling in this moment of here, Jesus is ascending. And it would be so tempting to like hold on to him, but instead they let him go and while they are letting him go, he does something, he turns around and he blesses them. Now, this is a huge step when we were managing transition and change, is letting the past, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, you can write this down too. Let the past empower and bless you. When you do, you'll be able to let it go. Like, you have to let the past bless you. You have to let it go and allow it to bless you, and if you do, you'll be able to heal, but as long as you're trying to hold on to the past, you'll never fully be able to embrace the new, you'll never fully be able to be healed. 
Now, all throughout Scripture, it exhorts us to let go of the past. And we looked at this Scripture a couple of weeks ago, but let's look at it again for the the sake of repetition. Repetition is safe for me and you. Jesus is talking here, and he says this. He says, I want you to do something. I want you to put in remembrance Lot's wife. Now, many of you know the story of Lot. God was calling them out of the season that they were in. And it was a season that, to us, we look at and say, that was an awful season. But for Lot and his wife, it was something that they had found comfort in. Have you ever found comfort in something awful? That's where Lot and his wife were at. And they didn't want to let it go. In spite of it being time to let it go, in spite of it being good to let it go, they didn't want to let it go. But God in his grace comes and he makes this event happen that forces their hand to leave. And maybe some of you kind of are in that place right now that all of this that has happened uh, in, in our world and our nation, like you see like the call of God to really make some changes in your life, to really like come out of this different than when you came into it, to, to really see change. So Lot gathers up his family and they begin leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, the city that they're in. But you remember the story is Lot's wife has this longing for the thing that God had called her to leave. She had a longing for her past. She had a longing for where she came from. She had a longing for the season that was dying. And so she's left it in body But she hasn't left it in soul. And while she's walking away, she makes a decision to look back. And when she looks back, the Bible records that she turns into a pillar of salt. So she can't ever go back to the past, but she can't ever go forward to the future because she made this decision to look back at what she had lost. Now, whenever we go through transition and trauma... We have this temptation, if you will, to look back. I heard someone say this today, even on social media. I was just scrolling through social media, and I heard someone mention this. And they said, get over it is some of the worst advice you can give anyone. And, you know, who's going through a tough time because it's so insensitive. And you know what? It's the truth. It is some of the worst advice you can give someone who's going through a tough time. Oh, just get over it because it diminishes their pain and it diminishes what they're actually facing and going through. And I get that because, well, I have experienced a lot of pain in my life. And when you go through pain, you don't want anyone telling you, oh, just get over it and minimize your pain. But while it's absolutely some of the worst advice anybody can give you, you know what I found to be true in my life? It's also some of the best. Because if I don't get over it, you know what I'm doing? I'm constantly trying to find the living among the dead. Do you remember what what the angel told the ladies when they came looking for Jesus? You know, he had risen, stone been rolled away, and they go to the graveyard where Jesus was, and the angel's sitting there on the tomb, and they're crying, and, you know, all these kinds of things as they approach the tomb. And and the angel looks at him, and he asks him this question. He says, why are you searching for the living among the dead? There is no good answer for that. You know, we have graveyards in our society today, and you can go out there to a graveyard and see the memorials of the people who have passed. You can see the past right there on that plot of ground. Can you imagine how emotionally 
and societally unhealthy it would be for someone to just live there, to live among the past, how it would cause like some type of breakdown in their life, like, like how bad that would be for their mental and emotional state to live among the dead. But did you know, while no one does that in our day and age with a natural graveyard, people do it at the graveyard of the mind all the time. They go back to what they've lost. They go back to what they have seen that hurt them. They go back to what they've seen that wounded them. They go back to a a past life they're constantly longing for. And maybe in the past life, just a year ago, they had more money than they had right now. They had more esteem than they have right now. Have more love and affection than they have right now. And all of that is in their past. And so here they are in their present like Lot's wife. And they're trying to look for the living among the dead. Because here's the thing about the past. Right now is past. Now is past. Each one of these moments that's here is past. Like it's here today and then gone. And when I constantly look back in the past, I will never find life there. And it will only take me further and further deeper down this path of despair. This is why the Bible encourages us to not only like look at Lot's wife, but all throughout Scripture. You see Scriptures like this in the book of Philippians, where Paul wrote this to the church at Philippi. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Now, I I know that all of us quote that scripture, and we all know it, and it's such a good scripture, and it's great, all those kinds of things. But did you really just read what we read? Like, let your heart meditate on this. Here, the guy who wrote three-fourths of your New Testament said, you know what, there's one thing that I do. Now, you can imagine, like, the most successful person you've ever met saying, you want to know my one tip? It's like, yes, I want to know what's that one tip. Paul said, here's my tip for you. I make sure this one thing I do, I forget what is behind me, and I press towards what is out in front of me. But my question is, okay, Paul, how do you just get over it? How do you forget the betrayal? How do you forget the loss? How do you forget the fact? Like for me, when my father passed away, I was reminded of him every time I walked into his office. I studied from his desk. I sat in his chair. My mom moved to Birmingham. I lived in their house. I slept in his bed. I I changed in his closet. How do you forget the past when the past is all around you? Like, even if I moved, I still work at the church he worked at. And even if I change the church, it still has the name that he gave the church. The past is all around me. So how do I forget the past? For you, it's like, how do I forget the fact that a month ago I was making $10,000 more than I am right now? How do I forget the fact that, like, you know, two weeks ago I actually had something called job security, Pastor Joel? How do I forget the fact that I was betrayed by this friend and now all of a sudden this best friend, it's, it's no longer in my life and I can't even get on social media anymore, Pastor Joel, because every time I see them, I'm reminded that they're out there having fun with all these other people while they have completely forgotten about me. Like, how do you forget the past? How do you just get over the loss of a friend? 
How, how do you just get over? Like if a, a child passes away, like how do you just get over that? Because it is incredibly bad advice, but at the end of the day, we know it's incredibly good advice as well. But how do we ever pull that trigger? Step number four, it really is the key. Now, here's what I just, I want to stop right here and tell you this, because I know on a typical weekend, there are thousands of people who worship here at Word of Life, so they know my backstory, but I also know there are a lot of people who are watching on social media that you don't know me from Adam, and I am not this, like, guy up here who's like, everything's awesome, and you'll never have any problems. My life has gone through severe transition and trauma. I know what it's like to cry until there are no more tears left in you. I know what it's like to be angry enough to punch through a wall. I know what it's like to flip over a desk because you're so angry, but you're also a little afraid. My father passed away when I was 17 years old. At 19, I was pastoring the church he was pastoring. I get pain. And I, I want to encourage you, like, this is not preaching that I just, I found this, like, note, and I heard this other preacher say it, and so, like, I'm just giving you some information that I thought would be some helpful. I am telling you what I have walked out. I'm telling you what I have lived. How do you just let it go? I read this, this book a number of years ago, and it was about apologies and the power of apologies. And it was talking about how to forgive yourself, how to forgive others, how to also apologize and say you're sorry. And it was this lady who, like, is a psychiatrist and a counselor, and she studies the lives of people and kind of helps them through their problems. And she was talking to this lady who had uh, been through a horrific divorce, Her and her husband had been married for a very long time, and they met each other when they were uh, in high school and, you know, had that romance, you hang up, no, you hang up kind of thing going on. And they got married, and everything was great. And in fact, it got better and better. His job took off, became very, very successful. They were making far more money than they ever thought they would make when they first started. But out of their success, they started gaining bad habits. Now, I've, I've watched this happen a lot, especially like when tough times set. Oftentimes, like a pandemic hits. <laughs> well, you know, once every 200 years. Uh, but, you know, something happens. And the tough times wake us up to truths that we have been ignoring. Because tough times often bring us to light, whereas good times... Often things tend to slip over into the shadows and bad habits are developed. Well, unfortunately for them, they never caught the bad habits. So he's staying at work later and later and later. She's getting more irritated more and more and more because he's staying at work later and later and later. And it evolves over into tremendous tension within the house. There's no love there, there's no joy there, there's no peace there. They are on the struggle bus. And no one is correcting it. No one is saying, hey, let's go talk to a counselor. No one is saying, hey, what what can I do to change this? There's no honest conversations going on. They're just acting like the tree is not dying. And instead of being proactive, they found themselves reactive and the tree fell. 
And all of a sudden, he's coming to her saying, I want a divorce. And she can't talk him out of it. And it just keeps going and going further and further down this track until finally he hires the most expensive law attorney in town uh, to make this divorce happen. And she got so tired of fighting that she just gave more than she ever should have given up in the divorce. To make matters worse, she found out that he married this, remarried this lady right after the divorce that he was working with constantly, that she kind of saw hints of things that had happened there uh, and were going on before, but she just didn't want to address it, didn't want to say anything about it. And so now he is out, married to this other woman, living this life, She has felt cheated, robbed, stolen from, all these things. And so she does something very smart. She sits down with a counselor to process all of these things. And in one of the counseling sessions, she says this to the counselor. This is what she says. She said, I just want him to to do this. I want him, they'll put it up on the screen. I want him to look at what he's done to me. That's what I want. I want him to look at what he has done to me. I want him to see the pain that he has put me through. I want him to see the rejection he has put me through, the hurt he has put me through. I just want him to see what he has done to me. And I would just stop here, and I just have this in my heart. This is random, but I just have this in my heart. Husbands, I know there's a lot going on out there. And like I know there's a lot of fear. And if your husband, always thinking about providing for your wife and family. But have you seen your wife lately? I'm not talking about like seeing her. I'm talking about have you seen her? Have you looked at her? Have you looked at her emotional needs? Have you looked at her her spiritual needs? Is she encouraged? Does she need love? Does she need a smile? Like, have you looked on your wife? Something about the way God wired a woman. Even in the movies they grew up watching, uh, you have a damsel in distress, like in a tower, and there's, you know, a dragon, and there's spikes, and there's all these things. And in all of these movies, there's a knight in shining armor that comes through and is willing to take on the dragon and to take on any obstacle that's in the castle to save the lady because he sees. He sees her beauty and he pursues it. I I just want to encourage you, like in this moment, husbands, pursue your wives. See their beauty. Fight through any psychological dragon and let them know that they're beautiful that they are loved, that they are still worthy to be fought for. And here this woman in her hurt, she tells the the counselor, I just want him to look and see what he has done to me. And of course the counselor, she knows that this is a very negative phrase, that it's a phrase that is giving the husband, the ex-husband, if I will in this scenario, all the power. That it wasn't just the husband who made decisions who put her in this place. That life really is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to what has happened to us. 
And we all know these things is, is truth, but you know, when you're counseling someone, you don't want to come in and just bring all of this correction or else they'll tune you out. A lot of times people just want to be heard. So the counselor let the woman just be heard and be listened to. And she listened to this phrase. And finally, when it kind of died down, she rephrased it and the counselor said this, and I think this is powerful. She said, what if you said the same thing in a different way? Instead of letting his rejection define you, what if you let it refine you? Here, here this woman had let this man and his incredibly bad actions define her as unworthy, define her as unattractive, define her as someone who wasn't worthy to be fought for, someone who would never be seen. And in this moment, what she's, she's saying to this, this woman is, look, like I know you've had some unfair things happen to you, that for the rest of your life, you could go on as the woman whose husband left her and betrayed her and became, you know, something else without her. You could be defined by that. And it's so amazing how we define people by their dysfunction. It's like even in Scripture, like the heading of Scripture is like the man with the withered hand. And it's like, wait a minute, he got healed. He didn't have the, the withered hand anymore or the man born by four. It's like, but he didn't end up being born by four. They didn't allow their dysfunction to define them. They allowed their dysfunction to refine them, bring them to Jesus, and come out healed and whole on the other side. And what she was telling this lady is like, in this process, what if we could allow in some shape, form, or, pa or fashion the past to actually bless us? Like, in order to let it go, what if we could allow it to bless us? And somebody says, how could you ever be blessed by like something that happened like that? How could that ever be a blessing? When my father passed away, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. But it was also the best thing that ever happened to me. And that blows my mind to say that. But the reason why is in that moment, like I, I found God. In that moment, I was forced to pray. In that moment, I was forced to just believe, to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I learned how to forgive in that season. I learned how to get up when I didn't feel like getting up. I learned how to just absolutely just pray and pray and pray until I saw God show up with my eyes. Like, and now no one looks at me and says, well, you know what? He's making those decisions because his father passed away when he's just a young guy. And I'm not defined by what happened to me. I allowed what happened to me to bring me to this place of refining my faith in my life until I come out now and I look at that past and I am blessed by it. And I know it was absolutely the attack of an enemy. I know that God didn't take my father and God most definitely did not cause that man to cheat on his wife or any of those kinds of things. That it wasn't the act of God and it wasn't a will of God or any of those things. And there's a thief and there's craziness in this world. But here's what I know in the midst of this. That God is a God of restoration. And when we make the decision to look at the past, we can really let it go. When we make the decision to be refined by it instead of defined by it. Me and my executive pastor, there's a restaurant here in town we'll go eat at a good bit. And every Wednesday, they have fried chicken. 
And so Wednesday's fried chicken day. And it's my favorite day, uh, Wednesday, fried chicken day. Uh, because, well, they have fried chicken. And it is fantastic fried chicken. And so we'll go in, and every Wednesday, we'll, we'll go into the, the, the back area there. And there's this guy there all the time with a laptop, fried chicken, and a glass of wine. I kid you not, every Wednesday. Fried chicken, a laptop, and a glass of wine. And we see him all the time. So it turned into one of those things of like a head nod or, you know, like a wave or something like that because we're there every Wednesday eating this fried chicken. Uh, and so one day my executive pastor goes up to him and he's like, hey, I see you in here all the time, like with your laptop and your fried chicken. And he's like, that's just awesome. Like how you're just, I mean, he's there before we get there and he stays there after we leave. I mean, this guy's having the time of his life. And so my executive pastor's kind of commenting on that. And this guy, this is the only thing he said. He looks up and he says, the best revenge is a life well lived. And we, we heard that we're like, what? Like the best revenge is a life well lived? It's like, what in the world are you talking about? And so we just started laughing about it, and that's all he said. He goes back to clicking on the laptop, and we walk out, and we're like, we, we don't know what happened to that guy, but something happened, and he has just made a decision to live his best life in spite of it. That afternoon, I went home, and I got me a Capri Sun and a chocolate bar, and I just sat down in my chair. I ate my chocolate bar. I was drinking my Capri Sun, and my daughter walks in, and she looks at me, and she's like, what are you doing? I just take my glasses off and I look at her and said, Reese, the best revenge is a life well lived. And just took a drink of the Capri Sun. So I'm kidding. That was made up. The first part, not made up. Last part, most definitely made up. But here's my point. All of us, every one of us are going to go through seasons where we are discouraged and hurt where there is death, where there is betrayal, where there is a loss of something that we loved, where we're having to let go of some of the best memories and let go of a season of life that we know is passing away. And the way that we do it is by being blessed by it. Where we come and we say, you know what? Instead of being defined by this hurt, I will be refined by it. I'll become a better father because of it. I'll become more patient in spite of it. I'll learn how to rejoice more in the face of adversity. I will choose to be refined in this season. I'll close with this. I really am closing. This whole time during this pandemic, for me, I've been talking to God a lot about, let's just end it. Like, just end it. I'm so ready to get out of this season and get back to preaching live in church and like all of those kinds of things. I'm just ready for it to end, get us out of this season. And I was reading through the book of Daniel um, in the Old Testament. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. And I, I read the story of Daniel in the lion's den and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And I'm, I'm looking at this season of life that they're in and I notice in the story that, yes, God did get them out. But before he got them out of the season that they were in, God came into the season that they were in. 
I think so many of us are asking God to get us out of this season. And God is like, oh, I'm going to get you out. Don't you worry. Greater things than these shall you see. Like, I'm going to get you out. But before I get you out, I want to come in. I want to come into this season. I want to come in and I want you to let you see your kids. See them. Not just live with them. See them. I want to come into this season and I want to show you what a true morning devotional looks like. Before we exit this, I want you to really learn how to worship me. Before we exit this, I want to come in the fire. I want to be the fourth man in the fire. I want to be the guy who's holding the mouths of the lion shut. Like, before we come out of this, I want to come into this because I want something in your life to be refined. I want something in your life to be purified. I want your faith tried by fire so that it comes out pure on the other side. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to happen in this season. Maybe there is some joy that needs to be found in this season. Maybe you've been finding joy so much in the obtainment of things that your love for Jesus has kind of come to the back side of things. Maybe there's a calling that this season has reawoken in your life that it's like, that's the thing I need to be pursuing. But one thing's for sure. When you allow the tough seasons to refine you and not define you, when you allow it to bless you, when you learn from it, when you come to the place where you're able to even give thanks in the middle of it, you are on your next step to healing, and the next step to letting go the past so that you can grab a hold of the new. Word of life, I want to encourage you. Be blessed. Make the change. Live life well. Refine your life in this season. Humble yourself before the hand of God. Dive into your marriage. Dive into parenting. Dive into a morning devotional. Dive into a new workout routine. Take this season and allow it to bless you. And when it does, you'll be able to let go of it. As long as I look at the past, and when I look at it, I'm still hurt by it. I look at it and I still long for it. I've still not healed. But when I can look at the past and I can say, I've learned from it. I give thanks over it. I've been made better by it. But this one thing I do, I forget what is behind me and I make a decision to believe greater things than these shall I see. And now I'm more ready for those things than ever before because of my past and the work that God did in me in that season. I love your word of life. Let me pray for you before we leave. Father, I thank you for each and every person who is watching this. And Father, I just thank you that in all of our lives that you would fill and flood them with love fill and flood them with light. Father, I thank you for wisdom coming from the Holy Spirit that navigates people through this season. 
Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit is showing up and leading and guiding into all truth. Father, I ask that your mighty hand of deliverance comes in families and in homes and reawakens desires. Father, I thank you that even in this season that you are turning the hearts of husbands back to their wives, fathers back into their children. Father, I thank you that we are refined in this season, not defined by it. And I thank you, Lord, we are able to be blessed by it so that we can completely let go of it. We love you, Father. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next time.